Welcome to Music for Life, enhancing the Armstrong concert experience. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. In today's episode, we will explore the Julian Bliss Septet in the lead-up to their performance at Armstrong Auditorium Thursday, February 14th. Since this performance will be a tribute to the King of Swing, Benny Goodman, we will briefly discuss Benny Goodman himself, but we will mostly be discussing Julian Bliss and his septet, including an exclusive interview with Julian himself, where he talks about his background, his band, and what excites him most about this upcoming performance. So stick around as we explore some Benny and some Bliss. Today on Music for Life. Armstrong Auditorium is thrilled to present a clarinet virtuoso from our generation, along with his jazz septet, to pay tribute to one of the greatest clarinet virtuosi and band leaders of the 20th century. This episode will serve as program notes for that performance, letting you know more about the performers themselves, including an exclusive interview with the namesake of the group. But also for these program notes, let's discuss the object of this tribute, the King of Swing himself, Benny Goodman. Benjamin David Goodman was the ninth child of 12 born to Russian-Jewish immigrants David and Dora Goodman. Born in Chicago in 1909, Benny grew up in relative poverty as his father tried to sustain the large family through tailoring. When his father heard there were music lessons available at the local synagogue, he sent a few of his sons over, and little Benny, 10 years old at the time, returned with a clarinet. He quickly yielded great fruits. By 11, he was playing in pit bands, and he dropped out of school at age 14 to pursue music. At age 15, when his dad died, he helped support his family through music. At age 17, Goodman was recruited by Ben Pollock into his famous big band. During his three years with Pollock's band, Goodman spent some time rooming with trombonist Glenn Miller. Last season, when talking about Glenn Miller in the lead-up to our Glenn Miller Orchestra performance, we talked about his Benny Goodman connection. And while discussing that, I played a track of a 19-year-old Benny Goodman in a song titled That's a Plenty, just to show off a little of his clarinet chops. was a little of That's a Plenty, an old recording by a 19-year-old clarinet virtuoso, Benny Goodman. By age 20, Goodman struck out on his own as a freelancer, and by 1934, he and his band had made it on radio, a show called Let's Dance. His band's performance at the Palomar Ballroom of Los Angeles in 1935 cemented his popularity among the American public. 
Goodman helped usher in the swing era. By 1937, Time had dubbed Goodman the King of Swing. In June 1938, Goodman's big band became the first group to perform swing music in Carnegie Hall. Before this, swing was considered casual music, more suitable for dances and clubs. Goodman brought it into the mainstream in that respect. The mix of races in his band also caught the public's eye. Goodman valued merit above all else and was recorded saying, If a guy's got it, let him give it. I'm selling music, not prejudice. Because of his highly perfectionist nature, Goodman's band suffered high employee turnover rates. This was largely due to Goodman's stinginess and how unforgiving he was toward mistakes, even when made during rehearsals. The look he gave culprits of mistakes became known as the Ray. But his perfectionism and strictness paid off. Years of classical training prepared Goodman for the years when swing music fell out of style, allowing him to perform more fine art music later in life. Goodman's accolades include the Grammy Award for Lifetime Achievement, an honorary doctorate degree of music from Columbia University, and a Kennedy Center honor for his lifetime achievements. In 1955, a movie was made about him called The Benny Goodman Story, and he is probably most well-known for his big band's hit tune, Sing, sing, sing.
just heard the most famous recording by Benny Goodman and his big band, Sing, Sing, Sing. We are presenting a tribute to Benny Goodman at Armstrong Auditorium on Thursday, February 14th, when the Julian Bliss Septet graces our stage. I want to talk more now about this particular group, its namesake, and the Benny Goodman tribute they will bring to Armstrong. We just finished talking about Benny Goodman himself to establish some background for the rest of this episode. We have an exclusive interview with Julian Bliss himself, and I'll let him enlighten us about the details of his early life, his music career, which got launched just on the verge of his teenage years, and how he, a classically trained clarinetist, got interested in jazz and Benny Goodman in particular. Before forming this jazz septet, Julian was firmly established as one of the finest clarinetists of our day. He has appeared as soloist with a number of important orchestras, performed in recital in many of the world's most prestigious venues, and released a number of recordings to critical acclaim. He has appeared on national television on numerous occasions and was the subject of a three-part made-for-TV documentary titled Gifted. In 2007, Julian was invited by the instrument manufacturer Con Selmer to design a range of affordable clarinets bearing his name. The Bliss clarinets have received much praise as a high-quality line of affordable clarinets which have helped introduce a substantial new audience to his instrument. It was in 2010 when he joined a hand-picked selection of some of the best musicians on the jazz scene to form what would become the Julian Bliss Septet, creating programs inspired by King of Swing Benny Goodman, but also Latin music from Brazil and Cuba. The group has gone on to perform to packed houses in venues and festivals the world over. Before we get to our interview with Julian himself, I want to give you a couple samples from the Septet's first album, a tribute to Benny Goodman, where they recorded 13 tunes by Benny Goodman or songs associated with the King of Swing. Given both Benny Goodman's and Julian Bliss's virtuosic skills and Julian's predominantly classical background, I want to play the second track on the album. This is a jazz arrangement of the famous Caprice No. 24 by Niccolo Paganini, the famous 19th century composer and violinist. You'll hear how the clarinet starts as a solo, presenting the theme as we may know it, in its classical sense, you could say, and then the septet joins for the swing rendition of the tune.
We just heard Caprice Number no. 24, a swing arrangement of the famous Paganini melody performed by the Julian Bliss Septet from their 2012 album A Tribute to Benny Goodman. The Septet will be performing their tribute to Benny Goodman on February 14th at Armstrong Auditorium. So we are exploring this group and a few tracks from this album as a teaser. And in a little bit, we will hear an exclusive interview I conducted with the band's namesake. But first, let's hear a few more great tracks from this album to whet your appetite for this upcoming performance. This is the first track on that album, a medley of two tunes, Don't Be That Way and Stompin' at the Savoy. And this shows off the septet very well. And I might mention that the septet is comprised of the clarinet, of course, but also piano, vibraphone, trumpet, guitar, bass, and drums. Now, during the interview, I'll let Julian Bliss introduce us to each member of the septet. But I will mention that the pianist is Neil Thornton, who is responsible for the arrangements on this album. Again, here's a medley, or really even a mashup, you could call it, of Don't Be That Way and Stompin' at the Savoy.
That was a medley or even a mashup of Don't Be That Way and Stompin' at the Savoy, the first track on the Tribute to Benny Goodman album by the Julian Bliss Septet. We're listening to a few of these tracks from this album today to whet your appetite for the upcoming Tribute to Benny Goodman performance at Armstrong Auditorium when the Julian Bliss Septet graces our stage on February 14th. Again, we're going to have an exclusive interview with Julian Bliss himself in just a moment, but I'd like to play a couple more tracks before we do that. The first is the Gershwin tune, Lady Be Good, and after that we'll hear Sheik of Araby. Thank you. 
You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. In today's episode, we are exploring the Julian Bliss Septet in the lead-up to their performance at Armstrong Auditorium Thursday, February 14th. Since this performance will be a tribute to the King of Swing, Benny Goodman, we've talked briefly about Benny Goodman himself, but we are focusing on Julian Bliss and his septet mainly. We just heard two tracks from the septet's 2012 album titled A Tribute to Benny Goodman. First was Lady Be Good, followed by She Kaverabi. I was able to talk via Skype with Julian, based just north of London, and as promised, let's hear that exclusive interview now. Well, Julian, we're very excited to have you come to Armstrong Auditorium. Uh, I think it's really interesting to talk with all the artists about how they got started in music. Every story is slightly unique, and I'd love to hear how you got started. It was about 25 years ago now. I come from a a non-musical family, and one day uh, at the age of four, I very randomly said to my parents that I wanted to play music. I don't really know where it came from, to be honest. (laughs) But when I had that idea in my head, I was pretty adamant. My parents kind of, I wouldn't say ignored me for a while, but maybe assumed it was one of these things that would, over time, you know, maybe I'd lose interest and then there would be something else that I I wanted to do. But no, I I continued to give my parents a hard time about letting me... uh, play music and in the end they gave in and uh, handed me a recorder which I played for not very long (laughs) I probably (laughs) played the recorder for a couple of weeks okay and then it was the process of finding what instrument out there that I I actually wanted to play anyway to cut a long story short one day someone brought in a plastic clarinet Hmm. and within minutes I decided yep that is the instrument I want to play Hmm. and never looked back really obviously when I was a kid and even now it's always something I've just enjoyed doing and of course when you're that young you don't think about a career and it never even entered my mind so it it, it was just something I really wanted to do from an enjoyment standpoint and it's been amazing I could turn it into my career really you started lessons you you were over there in the UK is that right yes yeah so I, I started lessons at the, the local music school that um, first handed me the clarinet and I studied there for a good number of years and then uh, yeah I stayed in the UK for for quite a while until I was about 10 back in the year 2000 and then I I came and studied in the US uh, in Indiana for for two years mm-hmm. um, before coming back to the UK and you've launched a really successful solo career maybe you could talk about just some of the the highlights or things you've really enjoyed about your solo career well one of the defining moments if you like was back in 2002 the day before my 13th birthday and i had been asked to play for the queen and her golden jubilee celebrations something i never i never imagined i would do Now we're going to feature two outstanding young British performers already making waves well beyond our shores. The clarinetist Julian Bliss turned 13 just this week. He's already performed both here at Buckingham Palace and at Windsor Castle, as well as making his London recital debut. And that was a a huge audience outside. It was in, in the gardens of Buckingham Palace. And it was after that performance I stood on stage and took in the appreciation of the crowd. And I thought to myself, do you know what? Actually, this is, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I mean, words can't describe how, how that felt doing that concert. It's such an amazing feeling. 
Um, so that's definitely one of the biggest highlights. Another one, I had the opportunity to play for the Queen again on her 80th birthday uh, in the Royal Albert Hall in London. And that was, of course, another massive highlight. For me, I'm, I, I could list them all and be here for a very, very long time. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of concerts that I remember for many, many different reasons. I mean, I remember every concert for slightly different reasons. And it's amazing that I can get the opportunity to create these memories through playing music. You've played a wide variety of music, obviously. You're, you're, you know, when you were playing for the Queen, was that mostly a classical repertoire or, or jazz? No, it was all classical. I, I didn't really get started in jazz until much, much later. And in the grand scheme of things, uh, very recently, in terms of how long I've been playing, I'd always played classical music, always was brought up um, playing that and learning that. The, the jazz really started when I was putting together an idea for a new album, which was going to be based around Copeland's clarinet concerto. And we were trying to find other pieces of music that would work well with that. And one of our ideas was to arrange some Benny Goodman tunes for myself and orchestra. Obviously, the Copeland was written for Goodman, so it seemed to be a, a good fit. So I went home and started researching Benny Goodman a little bit more and listening to various tunes to see if there was something that would work. And I kind of got carried away a little bit and thought, well, you know, it'd be amazing to have uh, a piano to play with us. And, oh, well, we have to then have a bass. And oh, it'd be great to have, have drums to provide a nice rhythmic feel. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, I, I'd kind of created a band. <laughs> so I thought, well, you know what? Actually, it'd be really cool to, to really dive into this properly. And that was where the idea started from creating my own, my own band. That was a, a fantastic process and really interesting one for me because I started to listen to all sorts of jazz in a very different way than I ever had done before and also started to go into a lot of concerts, listening to a lot of people to see who was out there that I wanted to play with. Once we had an idea, we then started to, we got everyone together and had a bit of a playthrough and I thought, actually, this, this could work. It was definitely all thanks to uh, the piano player, a guy called Neil Thornton. As when I had this idea of starting my own band, I went to him and um, I kind of floated the idea with him as he'd done similar things before. He'd done a project with the predominant classical singer, Willard White. Mm -hmm. And he seemed like a good person to go to to get some ideas and to help me with this. And so it was between myself and him that we made this all happen. Well, would you mind introducing us to each member of the septet that we're going to see on the Armstrong stage in February? On the trumpet, you have uh, Martin Shaw, who is a phenomenal trumpeter, very, has a fantastic feel, uh, very much a, a chamber of player, if you, if you know what I mean. Okay. Um, very good at blending blending the sound, very much a team player, and has some of the most amazing solos whenever he plays on. Well, I'll say this about everyone. Whenever they play, <laughs> I kind of stand there mouth open and wonder how they do it.
been involved in multiple different um, ensembles and, and bands over the years. Um, many, many years ago, he was um, trumpet player in a band called Jamiroquai, which were, I guess you could call sort of funk, but uh, and more on the popular side, if you like. I don't really like using that word. But, um, <laughs> and then yeah, jazz in, in every different setting. So a huge wealth of experience there. On the vibes, we have Lewis Wright, um, a, a young guy. Um, well, I consider myself still fairly young at, at 29, almost 30. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's pretty much the same age. The vibraphone is an interesting instrument because you don't often see it played to a, an incredibly high standard. Hmm. And you see him there with four mallets shredding away and you think, <laughs> how are you doing? He again plays in, in many, many different bands, also plays a lot of uh, drum kit and also piano himself and writes. Um, so uh, again, another phenomenal musician that uh, has a lot of new ideas, new, new take on, on the way of playing jazz. And the vibraphone and clarinet is a very interesting sound together, it matches very nicely. So that's kind of our front line, uh, obviously with myself on clarinet. Right. Um, we can have Neil Thornton on Neil, a fair few years ago, as he would say, actually used to play the clarinet. And so he kind of understands the trials and tribulations associated <laughs> with it. Again, a fantastic team player like, like they all are, has a fantastic... Bass is his son, a guy called Tim Thorn. Um, again, about the same age as, as myself and, and Lewis. Has uh, released a couple of albums on his own, as has Lewis actually, and writes a lot of music himself. who, again, much like Martin, has, has grown up playing in jazz in all different settings. Awesome, awesome guy, fantastic player. I mean, it sounds like I'm repeating myself a lot here, but it's, it's true. That's uh, great. Everybody, everybody has bring something amazing to the...
last but by no means least we have Ed Richardson on the drums uh, who is actually the youngest member in the band I think if I get this right he's sort of 27 28 relationship on the rhythm section between the you know the drummer the bass player and the pianist is a very important one mm -hmm. and they all have to be very well excuse the pun in tune with each other mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know they provide the whole driving force for, for everything mm -hmm. uh, Tim and um, Ed work together in different bands Ed has a fantastic feel very very high energy um, does a lot of big band performances all sorts all sorts of stuff so yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky to, to have a band of some of the best musicians around, really. And they all have their own way of interpretation, their own way of playing. That's kind of the fun thing, the fun part of it. And whenever we have a new tune or a new show, we all meet up and it's very much a collaborative effort. We sit down in a room, we start playing, and then we all share ideas. So it's not like, for example, everything I say goes. It's, it's not like that at all. We all work on this together and everybody is as important as, as everybody else. That's awesome. Well, talk about what our audience can expect from this particular concert in terms of the programming, this tribute to Benny Goodman. So with this program, the idea was to play pieces of music that he was associated with or, or made famous. Mm -hmm. um, staying true to the to the authentic swing feel but with a, a kind of a modern twist and that comes in terms of sometimes the chord structure sometimes the interpretation we all are very aware of how jazz was back in that day but at the same time i i like the fact that we are very free to play whatever comes to mind and obviously with all the guys being involved in contemporary jazz or you know jazz that is of this day and have studied jazz through the through its ages. Mm -hmm. um, you know they, they can bring all of those elements to it. So it's essentially the swing music but with a, a modern twist. So we have a, a selection of tunes. Some of them are what would be considered small band, um, and then we also try and tackle some of the big band numbers, which is challenging to say the least when there's only seven of us. Mm -hmm. But we try and um, do the arrangements hopefully in a clever way to, to get the most out of it um, and to try and create that big band sound. Um, one of the most famous big band numbers is, of course, Sing Sing Sing, which we had to include. Mm -hmm. um, alongside that, though, myself and Neil uh, tell the story about Benny Goodman's life, the people he met, and a little bit about his career. So essentially, the audience can go away maybe knowing something that they didn't know beforehand, learning a little bit about this giant of the jazz era and the impact that he had, not only on jazz, but also the clarinet. We do tell a few jokes, obviously Benny Goodman related, <laughs> funny stories and, and that sort of thing. We want people to have a good time, quite simply. We want people to be laughing, smiling, I mean, even getting up and dancing in the aisles. <laughs> the more fun they have, the more fun we have. And I'd like to think you can tell watching that we have fun on stage as well. There have been times where one of us will say something or do something and it'll descend into into laughter. 
and we can't stop laughing on stage and that's kind of a, a, a nice a nice thing to have I think it shows that we all get along really really well so it's yeah seven friends going and playing some fantastic music and just hoping the audience have a have a fantastic time too that's wonderful well I, I imagine as a performer there's something about the program that excites you the most what what is that I think in some ways it's it's the freedom we have these arrangements of course that we've created but within that is so much freedom um, for us to, to play however in, in some ways however we want and the it, it depends on the day depends on on the environment we're in every single gig we do is is different and we'll take on a slightly different feel and that's that's the really cool thing about jazz is if one person has an idea on the night it can send the whole tune in a, in a different direction and I really like that sort of well it's, it's improvisation mm -hmm. uh, the sense of not knowing exactly what's going to happen when it's going to happen mm -hmm. um, there are some beautiful ballads in there which I love playing then also some incredibly fast tricky numbers as well which are always a lot of fun so it, it's just a nice mixture and this era of music is just fun it's just fun music mm -hmm. so from the first note until the very last I'm just having having a fantastic time up there for pretty much every single reason you can think of. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely great, Julian. I think you've sold us on your group and on the program, and we're really looking forward to having you at Armstrong. We really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for talking with me today. Anytime. Thank you. Looking forward to it, too. Listening to Music for Life, I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. In today's episode, we have explored the Julian Bliss Septet in the lead-up to their performance at Armstrong Auditorium Thursday, February 14th. The program will be a tribute to the King of Swing, Benny Goodman. In addition to talking about Benny Goodman himself, we've also heard some samples of the Septet's 2012 Tribute to Benny Goodman album. And we just heard an exclusive interview I conducted with Julian via Skype. As always, more information about this event and all the Armstrong Auditorium events can be found at armstrongauditorium.org. You can follow Armstrong on social media, and you can follow this program on social media with the handle music for Life PCG. Special thanks goes out today to Joshua Sloan, who engineers the recordings for all our interviews, as well as Alexa Turgeon for her research support. Let's end the program with one more peppy number from the Julian Bliss Septet's tribute to Benny Goodman album. This tune is called The World is Waiting for the Sunrise, and it really shows off the virtuosity of Julian's clarinet playing as well as everyone else in the septet. I hope you enjoy, and I hope to see you soon at Armstrong.
You have been listening to Music for Life, a production of KPCG 101.3 on the FM dial in Edmond, Oklahoma. From the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus, I'm Ryan Malone. Thanks for joining me.